welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Stories found in 2 Kings 22-23 and 2 Chronicles 34-35. He was born in 648 BC. He died in battle in 609 BC. So he lived for 39 years. His major achievements were rebuilding of God's temple, finding the book of the law, and reforming the faith. Now, this is a great verse that describes him really well. So I'm just going to read it to you. In 2 Chronicles, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So I think it's interesting that this morning we had a king that was quite wicked. And tonight, by contrast, we're actually going to look at a king that was quite the opposite to that. In fact, somewhere else, the Bible describes him as one of the greatest kings, someone who did great things for God and who loved God with all his strength, with all his might, with all, his, with all, all, his, with all that he had. And so that's why we think that tonight he is actually worthy of our consideration. But before I go in, get into him, I'm just going to give a bit more background into where he was born. He was born into a nation called Judah. And uh, it was a very, very bad nation at the time. The country was stuffed, big time. Yes, you can laugh because it was, it was in a lot of trouble. They were God's chosen people, and they had turned away from God, and they were now worshipping other gods and sinning and uh, being unrepentant of their sin. They had turned their backs completely in, on God. And they had, if that wasn't bad enough, a succession of really bad leaders. And not just bad leaders, but evil leaders. The Bible describes a lot of them at the end of their reign as, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So this is a nation in absolute disarray. Yeah. And in enters Josiah. In enters King Josiah, who actually becomes king at the age of eight. Eight years old, born into this type of country and situation. God is gone. Here you go. You're eight years old, but I can use you. Here you are. You're eight years old, but I'm going to put you on this throne because I know that I can use you. And I think that that is something that we can all gather something from. This is something that we can learn from. It just the fact that an eight-year-old boy was made king by God. And you know what that is, quite simply? That we are never too young. You cannot be too young to be used by God. That is something that we can learn from Josiah's life. I mean, come on. Honestly, if you had the power to make somebody king, would you choose an eight-year-old? I mean, I know what my almost eight-year-old is like, and I tell you, he can't even rule himself, let alone a whole nation. In fact, he's got a little kingdom called his bedroom, and trust me, he stuffs that up even more than what Judah was before. He can't handle that. Really, an eight-year-old? But God says, sees something different. We see limitations. He sees potential. God puts this young boy, an eight-year-old boy, on his throne, and he says, down from heaven, looks at him, and he says, I, I believe in you. I know you can do it. Come on, my boy. Don't listen to what they say. I know what I'm doing. And I know what's in you because I put it in you. And I believe that that is the message that he has tonight for anyone who considers themselves young. I think even if you're 100, you're still young. Who's with me? Who agrees with me? 
I tell you what, we're all young and none of us are too young to be used by God. So don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about the words that have been put over you or spoken over you. Don't worry about what you think if you don't think you're good enough or if you're wise enough or educated enough or not ready enough. God wants to use you. Irrespective of how young you are, God wants to use you. If He can use an eight-year-old boy to transform a nation... He can use you to transform the world that you're in right now tonight. You are not too young. Many of you are in situations that you know, you know, need to change. And I know many of you also think, I don't know enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not big enough. And maybe you're not. But ultimately, it's not you that's going to make the transformation. It's God working in you and through you. He knows the potential you have because he put it in there. And all he's waiting for you is to be willing. Just to open yourself up to God and say, here I am, Lord, use me. You are not too young to be used by God. King Josiah, eight years old, gets put on his throne. And God says, go for it, my boy. How much more us? How much more us now that he's building his church and he's called all of us to be his priests in his church. I think one of the things that holds us back quite often is that we, we wait until we're ready. We, and and that, that, that's been my problem in many times as well in the past. But you know, the, the Bible tells me this. The Bible says that God equips those that he calls. He First he calls you, then he equips you. Don't wait until you're equipped. Don't wait until you're ready. Don't wait until you think, okay, I, I know enough. You never will. Listen to the call that God has in your life. Answer it. Make yourself available. Be willing to be used by Him, and then He will equip you. He will equip you in the battle. I know that, and that's God's economy. Do you think that King Josiah, when he was eight years old, was ready to transform this godless nation? Not in your life. But God put him there because of the equipping that he was going to put him through. And that's what we need to do and remember. If we don't feel equipped, if we don't feel ready, that's that's exactly where God wants you to be. You are not too young to be used by God, as King Josiah also wasn't at the age of eight. Amen? Something else that... Just looking at, just looking at a few things tonight about what I, what I think are amazing about King Josiah, as we've made the point before, each of these characters are amazing. There is so much to them. Each of them could be a six-month series in themselves. But we're just giving you a quick overview that hopefully will engender a little bit of hunger and interest in you and cause you to want to just find out more about this person. Um, one of the things that was highlighted to me as I was um, just um, looking into Josiah was that he was a boy. Well, when he became a man, he was somebody who, who would seek after God. He actually was somebody who would seek after God. Um, in uh, 2 Chronicles, I'll just read it to you. It says, in the eighth year of his reign, so he was 16 by then, still very young, he, um, he says, it says he began to seek God. Now, I know that, that seems a little bit insignificant, but just, just stop with me and think about it. 16 years old. He is king of a nation. He has everything under his feet. Total power. Total control. He can do anything that he wants to do. 16 years old, you have a nation under your hands. You can do anything, anytime, anywhere, with anyone, at any place. You are king. And it's good to be the king, yeah? 
And what does he do? Starts to seek God. I think that's incredible. I think that's amazing. To be honest, if I ruled a nation, if I was given all this power and dominion, especially at the age of 16, I don't know if seeking God would be the first thing in my agenda. I don't know if that would be the first thing that I would think of doing. I would possibly, probably, I don't know, want to indulge a little bit in my newfound power and my newfound dominion. But Josiah was a man who used to seek God, who would seek God. And I think that's just absolutely incredible. I mean, he just, he, he used to um, uh, turn his back on the crowd while they were worshipping um, false gods. While they were in their sin, he would worship uh, God and not the God of the people that uh, they were worshipping. Uh, something that I want to share, some with my wife, she, um, she highlighted this point to me really well. Uh, she was given a job at, um, at her school uh, and uh, she was given this class. It's a bit of a tough class, and uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's smiling there away. Um, and uh, she was a bit concerned, and uh, you know, I was a bit concerned for her as well. But now I've begun to think, this is a great opportunity for you, darling. This is something that you can use. So we started praying, and she started to seek God. She didn't look into, this, into the situation. She started to seek God. There was this very, it's, it's a really tough class. I'm not going to divulge any secrets about them, but you know, they're, they're a tough little class. Uh, with a lot of history and a lot of issues. And uh, she could have gone the way of other people and just begun to panic and fret and thought, oh, well, what the heck, I'll just go in there and survive. But we started praying, and she started seeking God. And as she was seeking God, she just felt this word. She just felt this word resonate in her heart and her spirit. This, this word simply said, respect. Respect. She started to think about respect, and she started to think, well, maybe I should talk about Respect. Maybe there's something in there. Maybe these kids don't know much about respect. And so she walks into, into this class, and um, she goes, okay, guys, gather around. And she starts talking to them, and um, starts teaching them on, on respect. And from that moment on, she had them. She had them. She actually had people going up to her say, we've never seen this class so quiet. And even later on, when they began to misbehave a little bit, they would tell each other off and say, hey, you show her respect. Hey, come on. Well, you're supposed to respect it. Don't you know what respect is? They didn't know what that word meant before that day. But they started telling each other off about respect. Now, why did that happen? Because my wife is so wise. Well, I think she is because she's so wonderful. I think she is. But also because she was somebody who was prepared to seek God in her situation. When you seek God, you will be able to overcome any situation just like Josiah did. I mean, eight years old, 16 years of age, and he begins to seek God. I think that that is absolutely amazing. So in your situation, people are often asking about you know, advice or whatever. Look, and I believe in being responsible. You've got to have certain things in place. If you've got problems financially or relationally or whatever, I, look, you've got to put things in, in motion. I agree. I know that. But at the end of the day, nothing, nothing replaces seeking God. There comes a time. There's got to come a moment when, despite the situation that you're in, You've got to turn your back on that situation, as Josiah did, and just seek God. And just say, Lord, this is my situation, but right now I choose to turn my back on it, and I choose to seek you. And even if it's not a bad situation, even if you're in a group where people are doing things that you know they shouldn't be doing, 
Turn your back on them. Turn your back on the crowd. And as Josiah did, just seek God. Seek his intimacy. Seek his face. Seek his word. Seek his companionship. Honestly, when was the last time that you can honestly say to yourself, don't give me a show of hands, that you can honestly say you were really, really seeking after God, especially in whatever situation you may be in. I'm not talking about just crying out to him or you know, rocking up to church and putting your hands up or you know, maybe picking up your Bible. And re- I'm, I'm talking about really getting before him and not letting go and just seeking, seeking, and seeking until you actually got a hold of him, until you actually got exactly what it is that you needed. We need to be a people that seek after God as Josiah did. It's very easy to get caught up seeking a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's very easy to, uh, to you know, want to seek our own ambitions and desires and uh, you know, even, even seeking the blessing and the breakthrough. But I believe that God is the God that wants us to seek after Him primarily. Yes, all these things will happen. I do believe in them. But I also believe that the blessing and the breakthrough that we're after actually comes on the other side of seeking Him first. He wants us to be a people that seek him for who he is. To seek the blesser and not just the blessing. To seek him simply because he's worthy. To seek him simply because he's the God of our lives. Because of all that he's done for us. And as we seek him for who he is, then everything else will fall into line. Just as it did for Josiah. As, um, as Josiah was, um, was seeking him, he, he turned his back on his kingdom. He, he turned his back on his country. I mean, like I said to you before, I, I, joked, like I, I wouldn't po- possibly do that. I would want to exploit some of the power that I was given. But here's this young boy, 16 years of age, and he sees what's happening in his nation, and he just gets that feeling, this isn't right. This isn't right. But instead of fretting, instead of panicking, instead of turning to other idols or other gods or turning into panic, He turns his back on that situation and seeks God. And that's what I believe we can learn from his life tonight. Let's be a people that seek him for who he is. And then I believe that everything else will ultimately come to us as a result of that. Amen? Amen. Something else that I believe that we can learn from his life uh, is to remove all distractions. We have a lot of distractions in our lives. We put many things in our life that really don't help us. In 2 Chronicles 34.2, it says this, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. We need to remove every distraction which takes us away from God. We allow things just to come into our lives. We allow plans and priorities and thoughts and desires and things that we place in front of God. And then we lose our intimacy with God and we wonder where God is. But the fact is he's still there. We just can't see him because of all the things that we've placed in front of him. And that's not how God wants us to live. He has something else for us. He wants to remove all these things. He wants us to live uncluttered lives so that we are actually able to make room in our lives for him to move. We need to remove every distraction from our lives so that he is actually able to come into our lives and not allow things to get in the way of our relationship with him. This is another great lesson that we can learn from Josiah uh, and some of the things that he did. While he was um, waiting on God, and seeking God, 
Something amazing happens. He, as I said to you before, my wife had this word about respect and that led her into a victory in her work situation. Um, when Josiah was waiting on God, <clears throat> he just felt this, this stirring in his spirit and he just thought, oh, just, I want to rebuild God's temple. At the time, God's temple was in disarray. God's temple had been broken down. Um, and uh, it wasn't functional like, like the, the way it should have been. There were things in there that shouldn't be there. And he's just going, no, I want to rebuild God's temple. And this came from, from seeking God. And so he's ordered the temple to be rebuilt. And they're, at it, they're rebuilding God's temple. And they find the most amazing thing ever. Something that they've never seen before. In the rubble, in the renovations, they dig out the equivalent of their Bible. The book of the law, as it was known back then, had actually gone missing. So here we have a whole bunch of people who were supposed to know God and love God, worshipping God in their own way, without probably the most important thing, how to do it. Can you imagine us being a bunch of people who like, right, let's get together, let's worship God. What do we do? I don't know. And so they did what they thought was best. They created idols. Uh, they created different temples. They had prostitutes in the, in the church. They had all sorts of things because they thought, well, you know, there's no guidelines. So let's do whatever we want to do. And so he rebuilds a temple, finds God's word, has somebody read it to him because he can't even read it for himself. And he realizes how wrong they had been, just how much astray they had gone. And then he read something about idols in there, that we shouldn't have idols. So we should only worship God and, and God alone. We shouldn't have anything between us and God. We shouldn't have any distractions. And in fact, whatever we put between us and God, we need to remove. We need to deal with severely. So he's reading this and he's just going, oh, we've had it wrong. The Bible actually describes him as him tearing his robes. He couldn't cope with a conviction. And I love what he does after that. And this is, I think, something that we can really learn from his life. When he realized that they had had it wrong and that they weren't actually supposed to worship idols, that God is actually supposed to be number one in their lives, he's gone on a rampage. He's gone through Judah and he's gone through the temples and he's destroyed every idol that he could find. He even put priests to death who had sacrificed to false gods. And if that wasn't enough, he went even further. He dug up the bones of dead priests who had sacrificed to false gods and burned those bones just to make sure that they couldn't come back and do it again. He destroyed everything that stood between his people and his God once he found out that we're not supposed to have anything between us and God. And I think that's an awesome, awesome lesson for us. I don't know about you, but I know sometimes there are things in my life that I need to go. There's things in my life that stand between me and my God. And I think the challenge here tonight is, how do we deal with the idols in our lives? What do we do? Do we deal with them with such passion, with, with such indignation? And you know what I'm talking about. It's different for every person. But those things, an idol is simply anything that stands between you and God. That's what an idol is. Something that takes you away from God. Another way to work out what an idol is, is just to work out what, what, what do you sacrifice to? What do you sacrifice your time, your talent, and, and, your, and your treasures to? When you work out what your idols are in your life, what do you do? Do you 
just toy with them a little bit more? Do you hope they go away? One day they'll rot. One day they'll fall over, surely they won't be there. Or, or God won't mind, he's a merciful God. What do we do? My contention tonight is that there is a great lesson to be learned here from Josiah. That we need to treat the idols in our lives or, and anything else that comes in between us and God with the same level of indignation, anger, and contempt. We are to look to God. If there's anything standing between us and Him, anything between us and His will, anything between us and His presence in our lives, we are to destroy that idol, no matter how much it hurts, no matter what it takes, no matter how dangerous it might be. He could have lost his life doing it, but because of his love for God, because of his passion for His plans and His purposes, he destroyed everything that stood between him and his living God. And that is his call for us tonight as well. Let's destroy whatever, whatever it may be, that is standing between us and God. Be it an attitude, be it a a habit, be it a person, be it a job, be it whatever. We need to be people who, as Josiah did, after finding the book of the law and discovered, whoa. I mean, God does it to me every week. There's things in my life that he highlights. He goes, that's got to go. That's not helpful. That, oh, no, that's, uh, and, and I get it through reading the word, through the preaching of the word, through worship, through talking to people. Seriously, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And I can happily say to you, yes, sometimes I've gone, oh, yes, oh, that, that thing, that's terrible. And I've smashed that thing just like Josiah did. But I also have to very shamefully admit to you that sometimes I've, I've left other idols just go and dwindle. And I know where that leads. That just leads to me feeling separate from God. It's not God walking away from me. It's me. It's me feeling like I just, I just can't approach God because of that idol in my life. Josiah was a man that destroyed idols and destroyed anything that stood between him and his living God. And I think that's a great example for us tonight. Um, something else that, um, that he did, I'll just get the music team to, to come up now. That'll be great. Um, with the, um, with the state of his nation being in absolute and total disarray, he did something else that I think is a great lesson for us tonight. When he approached God with, his, with, his, with the word of God and began to worship God like, we sh- like he should worship God, when they began to get before God and remove the idols from their lives and rebuild the temple and establish the, the faith again and establish the covenant one more time, the land began to prosper one more time. And that, to me, is an amazing lesson for us to take away as well. It is quite simply this. It's, it's, it's just simply never too late. There had been centuries and centuries of absolute debauchery, of people being completely away from God. And it just took one man, one man of conviction to bring his nation back, to destroy everything that stood between him, them, and their God. And God looked down upon it and said, I'm pleased with this. Man, that tells me that no matter how much I have strayed, no matter how far I have gone, no matter what I've allowed to rise up in my life as an idol, no matter how much I have turned my back on God and gone after other things, no matter how distracted I've been, No matter if I've even sold myself short and thought, no, I'm not good enough, Lord, to be used by you. It doesn't matter how far I've gone. As we share this morning, all it takes is just repentance. God is a God of a second 
and third and fourth chance. All he needs is that whatever you're facing, you turn your back on that and face him again. It's never too late. Talked about being never too young from Josiah's life, turning his country around after years and years of absolute debauchery. That tells me as well that it is just never, ever too late, no matter how far we've strayed, to come back to God. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.